thank you for tuning in to the Coaching York podcast. To find out more about who we are, what we do and how we do it, please go to coachingyork.co.uk. That's coachingyork.co.uk. So hello and welcome back to the Coaching York podcast with me, Fiona Smith. And with me, Jeff Ashton. And um, we're picking up again today on uh, where we left off at the end of our last one, really, where um, we have Helena Terrett with us again today. And we are continuing our conversation about uh, coaching with ADHD people. Hi, nice to be here again. Thank you. Yeah, great to have you back. So, Helena, could we just ask you to tell us a little bit about your own experience of ADHD? I think part of it is quite... um, being able to be yourself is really important so the fact that I have ADHD I think is important Mm -hmm. and that I'm able to share the stupid embarrassing things that I've done that I no longer consider stupid and embarrassing but at the time you know of course yeah um yeah and the problems that come with it you know the alcohol use and drug use and impulsive decisions I made when I was a teenager that if I'd known I absolutely wouldn't have done but I had no idea about my ADHD and so was self-medicating and there's a lot of shame attached to that for my whole life and doing things at the last minute you know my degree I think I finished my degree in about 10 weeks after four years of not you know, turning up to a few classes, but not doing the work and thinking I was a terrible person. Why would I do that? Why would I do that to myself? It's so idiotic. But now I understand my ADHD. Okay, well, that, clearly um, that's what was going on. And I approach life differently now. And that general feeling of, oh, actually, if I'd just give myself a little bit more time, I could have done so much more with it. <laughs> yeah, and and it's almost... I don't even know if I'd had more time, I would have just left it later, I think. But but if I'd found ways to understand that I'm not doing this because there's an emotion attached to it, because it's my degree and I really care about it and it's important and I'm scared I'm going to mess it up. And that risk of rejection is so big that I can't start because of my the, the emotional dysregulation. So now I get that. My, I completed a master's in executive coaching recently and I was able to do that by recognizing that that was happening and and realizing I'm paralyzed because I care so much about this and I really want to do well and then to slowly unpack that and go okay well what if I didn't care about it (laughs) what what if this wasn't important and Mm. perhaps that person's opinion doesn't matter to me because I got some perspective on the world it's just a course this is one person perspective on my coaching it's okay and start to take that apart by through self-coaching um then I'm able to start yeah so there's lots of tips like that transitions I guess is another piece so task initiation can sometimes be difficult I think I talked at the start about um, shifting focus to that going to bed getting out of bed getting in the shower getting out of the shower starting a piece of work being interrupted not knowing where you were can't get back into it or all of those things can be quite difficult with ADHD some more or less with different people um so recognizing that is often a useful part of ADHD coaching as well. What's what's the next small step that we can take so we don't get overwhelmed by, but if I do this, then in three months this might happen, and then somebody might not think it's good enough, and then we're stuck. So <laughs> how do we? Okay, yes. And what we actually need to do is just find a phone number and phone somebody up and not think too much about what might happen next week. So 
let's break it down into really small chunks. So that prioritizing can be difficult. It's all just one big, overwhelming, enormous project. How do we chunk it down? And then celebrate the small steps. So we're adding more positive emotion in all the time to try and counteract. Um, I, I, I talk about my ADHD brain as if it's separate to me. Not, not everybody needs to do that, <laughs> but my ADHD brain um, wants loads of stimulation. It doesn't mind if it's negative emotional stimulation. It wants problems to fix and it will go and find them. So what I need to do as an adult human, I guess if you're a therapist into parts therapy, you can talk about that part of me, the ADHD part of me and the adult part of me, um, is to recognize that and give it some positive things to be busy and stimulated by so that it's not looking for problems all the time. Or to recognize that if I've got a task to do and I can't get started, my brain is super hyperactive and it's already gone three months in ahead and it's thought of 53 possible different problems and outcomes that it's trying to fix that's not helpful to me actually being able to just open the folder and start writing something now. Mm -hmm. um, so I I'm, there's a part of process of detaching going, that's not me, that's just my brain really needing stimulation and really liking problems to fix and threat scanning and trying to keep me safe because it doesn't want me to risk rejection and it doesn't want me to be excluded because at the end of the day as social primates, you know, back in the midst of time, we probably would have died if we were excluded from a group. So, of course, my brain's trying to keep me safe and make sure everyone likes me and I'm always doing well. Um, and once we recognise that, then it becomes a bit easier to start. Um, and some of that will be relevant in coaching anybody. OK, thanks a lot, Helena. I mean, one, one of the other things that struck me is sometimes you'll be working with coaches who are working with a manager and the manager has a staff member who has ADHD. So if you were in conversation with a coach who's asking themselves the question, what help or support can I give to the manager? What kind of things would you say to help the manager think about their expectations in working with someone uh, with ADHD and how they can best manage that relationship? I think this is a really interesting one. So First of all, I think if it's a larger organisation, getting somebody in to talk to the whole team about neurodiversity generally is really helpful because we know there will be a lot of neurodivergent people who may be not disclosing or um, not feeling comfortable. So I would always try and widen it out if possible and get more people in to talk about neurodiversity. And there are some things which tend to be more specific towards ADHD, such as a need for autonomy and being able to kind of make decisions and own stuff, but not necessarily. So I think what my advice for managers of people who have ADHD is always to ask the questions that I would hope they're asking of everybody around ways of working and how do people like to work. So if you have ADHD that is considered a disability under the um, Disability Discrimination Act or the Equalities Act, I can't remember which one the latest one is called, um, you may not consider it a disability, but it does mean that if you want to, you can ask for accommodations and reasonable adjustments at work. So often people with ADHD might be very clear about what adjustments they need. Sometimes they might not be, and I'd recommend working with a coach on what those adjustments might be um, but as a manager you should be aware of that checking in on what they would need to be able to work differently whether that's more working from home noise cancelling headphones sit stand desks 
walking meetings, shorter deadlines, longer deadlines. Um, you know, the list is endless of what will help people be their best at work. So that's a part of it, but also um, be aware that they can get support from Access to Work to fund things like ADHD coaching or to fund software or other things that they may need. And I suppose the, the main advice is to be curious about what are their strengths and um, how do you get the best out of them? My experience of ADHD, sadly, or perhaps well, is that I have seen people absolutely thriving and earning, you know, seven figures, having doing absolutely brilliantly. They are leaning into their strengths. They're knocking people dead. They're on the board, CEOs, very senior people in organizations doing really well. They've delegated the stuff they can't do because they've got a big team and they've got exec assistants. Um, and they're very powerful. And, and you know, you look at um, lots of the world's billionaires are also neurodivergent <laughs> with ADHD. So Ingvar Kamprad, Ikea, and um, the, there's a whole long list. But I also see lots of people who have not been aware of their ADHD or who've not managed it well, who have got sort of put in smaller and smaller boxes and had more and more work taken off them because they keep missing deadlines or because they get overwhelmed and upset. And it's almost like there's this sort of spiral and you're either going up it or you're going down it, depending on how well you're managing your ADHD and the emotions that go with that. So I think advice for managers is to really look for the strengths, look for the positives. I've never met any ADHD who doesn't have some incredible strength. It's just finding what it is and really allowing them to shine. And that may be that they're in the wrong job. And I'd much rather see somebody get out of that space, get somebody great in that job and help them to find a job that's right for them where they can really shine and use their strengths. Yeah, ADHD has made the most emotionally intelligent, creative, innovative, visionary leaders if, mm. if they're well supported and um, yeah, they're in the right environment. One of the things you talked about earlier, Helena, you talked about memory with people with ADHD and, and monomics is just a side interest of mine. Um, when it comes to working with people with ADHD, what kinds of things are helpful in terms of managing uh, challenges around memory? So, so the memory piece often goes with uh, time blindness, actually, and they sort of go together. So working memory is tricky, holding things in mind. It's a little bit um, out of sight, out of mind, which can be difficult maintaining friendships and things like that sometimes if I haven't seen a friend for a while you know, I forget they exist until something triggers me again and they may think I'm awful because I haven't contacted them for six months so I don't like them that's not the case at all I it's just gone it's not there and then when it's back I've, of course you feel bad not everybody's memory will be the same with ADHD so I kind of caveat that it's a common problem but not for everyone but I think also what happens is we may be a maybe we use calendars so we're aware of something we go right I've got something at two o'clock but then we can get distracted so we'll know at 10 to 2 but two o'clock rolls around and we're deep into something else and then we're still late because we remember again at five past um, so that's where the time blindness sort of focus piece comes in I think that can be tricky it's also part of planning how long things take can be a difficult thing with ADHD and I guess I'm I'm bucketing this up with memory because often memory is about how do I remember what I'm supposed to be doing and when am I supposed to be doing it and if you add in a little bit of 
I think this task is going to take me five minutes, but actually it's going to take two hours, then that exacerbates the situation. So it, it all goes together. And the solution is experimentation, unfortunately. So what works for one person will not work for someone else. But the key is not to believe our brains when they say this, this feels really important. I'm definitely going to remember this. I mean, I've fallen into that trap tens of thousands of times. And once I accepted that my memory doesn't work and I write everything down and I've got my systems in place, my life is a hundred times easier. Which again is a there's a little bit of unpacking there to do often with clients around, but I should be able to remember this. Other people remember to go to the dentist on Tuesday without having to write it down. Well, I question whether everybody does really, but but also there's that shoulding again. It's it's not a bad thing if you have to write down everything just write everything down no one will judge you if you say hold on a minute I just need to put that in my phone or I'll forget I'd be very surprised if anybody went oh you're a useless person what do you mean you can't remember <laughs> so so there's a bit of unpicking the shame around not being able to remember things easily and then a bit of testing what works some of my clients have got amazingly complex software that works really well for them I personally hate that because the software tells me what to do and I'm not going to do it because that rebellious streak kicks in. I don't like, I need autonomy. Some people are very tactile. They need paper and pen. Some people need to have it on a whiteboard and all visual in front of them. So it's a real process of discovery of what works for your brain to help you remember things. Then the other factor might be that um, we come up with a great system and it works for a while, but then the novelty wears off. And so what ADHDs can often do is go, right, well, that didn't work. Let's start something new. That's fine. The problem comes if you then shame yourself for that not working and needing to start something new. If you have a new system every three months, not necessarily a problem. That's fine. Um, but also what you can do is instead of deciding that doesn't work because the novelty is worn off and now my brain's not interested and won't do it, just find a way to make it interesting again. That part of me, that ADHD part of me is not as clever as the rest of me. And so... I noticed that I'd re recently stopped using the notes function on my phone, which I'd previously been using to jot down stuff that came to mind that I wanted to put into my calendar or my notebook later. And so I just changed the background colour and that was enough for my brain to go, oh, it's pink. Now I want to use it again. It's ridiculous, but that was, that was it. But that was all it took. Just, just make it glittery again. New notebook, a new pen. Uh, different something that's a bit different that will just get your brain to go oh, that, oh yeah okay I can do that. Fiona is there a particular subject we've covered that you'd just like to ask a bit more about? I think the one that I think is a, a, I think it's an interesting one I think it's really when you stop and think about it it's very insightful is about interest versus importance mm -hmm. and how that powers our brains and I think for both for a person with ADHD and, and for people working with or living with someone with ADHD, just getting that insight into, even if we understand it as being important, it doesn't mean we can do it if there's not something about it that's interesting. And and I think that as, as an understanding self and also for others understanding a person with ADHD, I think it's a really, really good way of uh, explaining it and, and, and then being able to capture and get them being able to talk about it yes absolutely yeah it was William Dodson MD who's 
came up with this idea of interest versus importance as a way of describing how that executive function um, issues work. I think it is fantastic in terms of, yeah, describing why sometimes things are fun and they're interesting and we can do them and sometimes we can't. And it also describes, um, I guess, neurotypical brains can use importance or somebody else thinking something is important to get it done, they'll be able to generate enough dopamine and do that because they're required to. Um, that doesn't work for me or for most people with ADHD. We just can't do it. It's When I describe it to people who don't have ADHD, I describe it as it's a bit like eating a slug or touching a hot plate. Logically, you can do it. Why can't you do it? What's the problem? Why well, just don't want to because I feel something bad will happen and somebody go no don't be ridiculous you just eat the slug we all eat slugs why aren't you eating the slug <laughs> you know you can do it but you do that five times a day it's exhausting and unpleasant so it has to be interesting to be able to do it and that's also why threats and rewards and consequences don't work so there is a lovely article by William Dodson you can look up if you're more interested in this subject but threats rewards consequences don't tend to get ADHD brains into action, whereas they might work for other people. And it, I feel so sad when I see kids with ADHD who can't do things, just enduring more and more consequences and toys being taken away or threats made and missing out on stuff, because that's just getting them more stuck. They're more in their negative emotion. They're feeling more pressure, more overwhelmed. They're getting more and more paralyzed because that's what gets our ADHD brain stuck. What we need to be doing is taking the pressure off, finding the fun, making it interesting, and getting that positive emotion into it. It's a different way of working, I think, in terms of how do we get ADHD brains to do stuff, particularly with children. And sometimes they need other things as well. So they might need movement you know, in order to be able to do stuff, to be able to be interested and to be able to focus and to get things done. But yeah, interest versus importance is a really lovely descriptor. Sometimes my clients do it to themselves. I'm definitely guilty of that, of using threats and consequences and horribleness to try and get myself into action. Um, particularly before I knew I had ADHD, I would really be awful about myself and say things that I would never say to anyone else to try and get myself to do a thing. And it rarely worked. The opposite does work, interestingly. <laughs> Sometimes we can't find interest and it's just never gonna be emotionally stimulating. And often the best thing with those sorts of tasks is to delegate them to someone else if you possibly can, mm -hmm. or get someone to help you push the car. So get some accountability, get a body doubling buddy to come and sit with you while you do it and do it together. So things like that can work as well if there's really no interest possible and it's just awful i think it can help to understand that it's not choiceful yes absolutely yeah it can't not won't yeah yeah and the other thing that i i think is really important to remember is that no matter how much you might be telling that person off it will be nowhere near as awful as what they're saying to themselves internally and and unfortunately adhd does have some really significant negative outcomes for people if they're not diagnosed and well managed mm. suicide rates are higher um drug use is higher the chances of becoming part of the prison population are higher you know there's a lot of risk attached to adhd particularly when people don't know about it particularly if you had a bit of childhood trauma or you know not managing it well to get back to the to the point about interest versus importance you know there's there's really no need to kick adhders for refusing to do stuff they're not refusing they can't do it and believe me they are being pretty mean to themselves internally you don't need to add to that
so thank you Helena hugely interesting conversation I've, I've enjoyed it greatly and I think lots and lots of content in there for people to uh, help them to understand for people to think about if anyone's sort of sitting there thinking oh my goodness I wonder and or you know someone who's um, perhaps has ADHD and starting to understand how coaching could make a difference for them uh, how, how would they get in touch with you? Yeah, so uh, the number one place is hatchedcoaching.com. So it's hatched past tense, like you've already hatched out of the egg, not hatch. And if you go there, you can find a lots of resources. If you think maybe you're curious about it, um, there's resources page where you can go out and find about, about diagnosis or how to get help and find out a bit more. I also offer supervision to coaches um, who have ADHD clients and have got a bit stuck because things aren't quite working out in the way they expected. And I'm also uh, do training, so I'm very happy to come and talk to organisations, line managers, small businesses who are working with a lot of ADHD clients, um, all of that sort of thing, as well as coaching ADHD clients themselves. Thank you, Helena. Jeff, any any closing comments from you at all? Awful lot to take in there. Uh, very enlightening. And thank you. Uh, for sharing your experience your own personal experiences as well as your expertise Helena thank you very much thank you apologize for the talking at length very fast <laughs> which is also an ADHD trait but, uh, I'm sure you'll manage thank you thanks for having me